Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the co-director of Charts at Billboard. Joining me, as always, is Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital, Katie Atkinson. Hello, Katie. Hey there, Keith. How are you? Great. How about you? I am wonderful. Because I'm here with you. Indeed. And it's Pop Shop time. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, the Billboard Pop Shop podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we'll be talking about how Jay-Z has announced his new album, 444, and how, if we are to believe reports, he and his wife, Beyonce, just welcomed twins. Yeah. In addition, we'll be chatting about Selena Gomez's new video for Bad Liar and how we're seeing double, triple, and maybe even quadruple of Selena. Hmm. Plus, we will have chart updates about how Katy Perry gets her third number one album on the Billboard 200 with Witness, how Justin Bieber scores his 34th top 40 hit with the debut of To You inside the top 20, and how Fleetwood Mac's Lindsey Buckingham and Christine McVie return to the Billboard 200 together as a duo. Uh, in addition to that, we have an interview with the one and only supermodel of the world and drag royalty, RuPaul. The Emmy Award-winning host of RuPaul's Drag Race called in to talk about the finale of the ninth season of his reality competition series, RuPaul's Drag Race, which airs this Friday, June 23rd on VH1. RuPaul discusses how the show is a, quote, labor of love and how the show stays fresh each year and why he has unopened boxes of QVC packages at home. This will all make sense a little bit later <laughs> on. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on iTunes so you don't miss an episode. And give us a rating or review while you're at it. Yeah, come on. If you have any questions for us, feel free to tweet us at Keith underscore Caulfield and KT Atkinson. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit iTunes.com slash Billboard Podcasts. Okay, let's run the Billboard chart numbers and do the chart chat. Here are three of the biggest headlines on the charts. Number one, Katy Perry scores her third number one album on the Billboard 200 chart with Witness. Can I get one? And her, the biggest week of 2017 for an album by a woman. Number two, two members of one of the biggest and most successful chart acts ever, Fleetwood Mac, returns to the Billboard 200 as Lindsey Buckingham and Christine McVie team up for a new collaboration set, which debuts in the top 20. 
And number three, Justin Bieber earns his 34th top 40 charting hit on the Billboard Hot 100 with To You. And Justin matches the number of top 40 hits uh, that a certain iconic pop band has. Can you guess which one? Hmm. Hmm. Well, we'll tell you in a second. Okay, so let's break down each of these individually. First up, Katy Perry's Back and her new Witness album premieres at number one on the Billboard 200 chart with the biggest week of the year for an album by a woman. Witness earned 180,000 equivalent album units in the week ending June 15th, according to Nielsen Music, and of that sum, 162,000 were in traditional album sales. Perry's Bow is the biggest week for an album by a woman in 2017 and the largest since Lady Gaga's Joanne started at number one with 201,000 units on the chart dated November 12th, 2016. Witness also logs the largest sales week for an album by a woman since Joanne, which started with 170,000 copies sold. Witness follows Perry's two earlier number ones, Prism back in 2013 and Teenage Dream back in 2010, and both albums also debuted at number one. So will Katie hold on for a second week? Not so much. Hmm. Uh, She will likely give way to Lord's new melodrama. Uh, according to industry forecasters, <laughs> according to industry forecasters, mm-hmm. my tongue is there and it's working. I swear. Mm-hmm. Sources suggest Lord's new album, which uh, would mark her first number one, by the way, could debut with around eighty thousand to ninety thousand units earned in the week ending June twenty second. All right. Next up, still on the Billboard two hundred, uh, two members of Fleetwood Mac team up for a new collaboration set as Lindsey Buckingham and Christine McVie's new self-titled duets album debuts at number 17. The set launches with 23,000 units earned with 22,000 of that from traditional album sales. Notably, neither Buckingham or McVie, which have both charted solo efforts previously, have ever been higher with their own solo projects. Uh, Buckingham's highest charting solo set is 1981's Law and Order, which hit number 32. And as for McVie, she's gone as high as number 26 with her self-titled album back in 1984. And isn't there a little more than just Buckingham and McVie from Fleetwood Mac on this album? Yeah, you, you probably overheard me when I was talking about this earlier and researching this. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, this is basically a Fleetwood Mac album, Mm -hmm. kind of, uh, because actually uh, Fleetwood Mac's drummer, Mick Fleetwood, and its bassist, John McVie, are also on the album. So that leaves us one member missing from the group. Hmm, who could it be? A friend of the podcast, Stevie Nicks. Yes, that's the one. (laughs) Um, Stevie actually recently told the UK newspaper, The Daily Mail, that After spending three years focused on Fleetwood Mac and their touring schedule, she opted to take a couple years to work on her own solo endeavors, which included the 24 Karat Gold album and the tour that I think she's still on right now, Um, the the tour that Katie and I saw actually last year. Yes, back at the forum. So um, Stevie said that basically when they were making this album, that's when she was doing her solo stuff. And she opted just not to go and do it, which is pretty much it. And the Daily Mail asked Nix um, if she had contributed, would this project have been called a Fleetwood Mac album? And she said, 
It probably would have been. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that kind of makes sense. When you have all five members of Fleetwood hmm. Mac, it probably would have been called a Fleetwood Mac album. But she did say in the same interview, she did say, uh, she's like, I'm sure it's great because why wouldn't it be? Speaking of like Christine and Lindsay's album. Yeah. She's like, well, duh, of course it's going to be great. Yeah. Because why wouldn't it be? Um, well, so, that's nice. Yeah, that is nice. So basically, uh, if you are holding out hope for a new studio album from the classic Rumors era lineup of Fleetwood Mac, like I am. Don't hold your breath. Don't hold your breath. It's been 30 years, and it'll probably be a little bit longer. But Keith was listening to this album in his office, and it sounds a lot like Fleetwood Mac, so pick it up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, so lastly, Justin Bieber continues to be unstoppable on the Billboard Hot 100 as he scores his 34th Top 40 charting hit with his featured turn on David Guetta's new single, To U. And that is the numeral two and just the letter U. Very Prince. I was going to say, it's like a Prince song. Very Prince. Um, doesn't sound like Prince, though. No. Uh, the song <laughs> debuts at number 16, and it's Bieber's sixth single to debut on the chart in the last 12 months. Yeah. yeah. Prolific. That's a lot of Bieber. Uh, Want to take a wild guess as to who else has exactly 34 top charting... T- Top charting singles on the mm-hmm. Hot 100. Uh, you don't have to guess. Yeah, I mean, I overheard some of this too. Yeah, I'll just, I'll, how about I, it was more of a guess to the people listening. Mm. Mm, yes, we've given you time to mm. think. Hopefully, now, you're shouting in your car right now. Right, and now and now here's the answer. Uh, so here are the other acts that also have had 34, exactly 34, no more, no less, top 40 hits on the Hot 100: Beyonce, Chicago, Rod Stewart. And the Beach Boys. Wow. I mean, it's kind of incredible to think that Justin Bieber now has just as many top 40 hits as the Beach Boys. Absolutely. Or Beyonce, even. Yeah. Really. Um, or Rod Stewart. Or Chicago. Chicago. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but anyway. The act with the most top 40 hits, by the way, is Elvis Presley with just 80. <laughs> oh, that's all. That's all. <laughs> Who knows? At the rate Bieber's going, he could be there in a couple years. And uh, is he still at number one this week on our Hot 100? Yes. And he's number two. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, Luis Fonsi and Daddy Yankee's Despacito featuring Bieber continues to be number one, while DJ Khaled's former number one, I'm the One, featuring Bieber, Quavo, Chance the Rapper, and Lil Wayne, rises a spot to number two. It's the summer of Bieber. Summer of Bieber. <laughs> yeah. Think we should run through some of the top headlines? Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's do it. Uh, first up, Jay-Z revealed on Sunday that all those cryptic 444 ads you've seen all around town and online actually were hyping up a new album from him after all. Hmm. In addition to the Jay album, the project is also an upcoming title-only film starring Mahershala Ali, Lupita Nyong'o, and Danny Glover. And in a new clip from the film that premiered on, appropriately enough, Father's Day... We got a snippet of a new Jay-Z song called Adness. Hmm. And these are the lyrics that we hear in the 30-second clip. Quote, letter to my dad that I never wrote, speeches I prepared that I never spoke, words on a paper that I never read, proses never penned, they stayed in my head. Very poetic, Jay-Z. The album will only be available to title subscribers and Sprint phone users. So if you'd like to hear 444 when it arrives on June 30th, Make sure your subscription's up to date or you have enough data available on your Sprint phone to download an album. We assume it's a download. It could be just a streaming only thing. It could be a streaming only thing. We will wait and we will see. Every Jay-Z album, you just don't know how it's going to be executed. and He keeps us on our toes. Yes. 
And speaking of Father's Day and of Jay-Z, according to reports and to the Instagram account of Beyonce's dad, Matthew Knowles. And he should know. And he should know. (laughs) Jay and Bay welcomed their twin babies last week. Now, nothing's official until a beautifully designed photo of the future superstars ends up on Beyonce's own Instagram. But TMZ's reporting the babies are a boy and a girl. Wow. And that they were born on Monday, June 12th in L.A. Wow. So we'll just keep refreshing Beyonce's Insta to make sure. Wow. (laughs) If it is is indeed a boy and a girl, they must be thrilled. Oh. Like, now it's like, I mean, they'd be thrilled either way. You know, everyone was saying when she put that photo out back in February that there were hints in the photo. She had articles of clothing that were both pink and blue. People like sleuth that back in February. Man, (laughs) I I need to get with it here. I would not put it past Beyonce to sneak a little uh, coded message into her Instagram photo. No. (laughs) And finally, Selena Gomez released a buzzy video for her latest single, Bad Liar, on Wednesday. And the singer slash actress plays four characters in the clip. A shy high school student, a Farrah Fawcett look-alike basketball coach, the high schooler's dad slash principal, and his beautiful wife. (laughs) There's a lot going on in this video, from the dad character flirting with the glamorous coach to the teen girl harboring secret feelings and a secret photo of that same coach. And the whole thing ends with the words, COMING SOON in all caps, followed by the song title, fetish what does this all mean what does it all mean like are we are we <laughs> does this mean and, and katie and i have discussed this because we because we obviously we've seen the video but it's like what does it mean like does it mean that there's going to be like a continuation is yeah. this like a continuing story like i mean i want more from this specific story but uh from the looks of the way the video ends it looks like it's definitely still in that same maybe like do you think it's the 70s that she's going for? It looks like Farrah Fawcett reference yeah, would be 70s. It still has that same kind of, you know, uh, sepia-toned look to mm-hmm. it. So um, if nothing else, it'll probably be from that same era slash world. So hmm. maybe four new Selena characters will be coming. Uh, well, yeah. For all we know. Or maybe maybe it's just like cliffhanger. It's just like, you know, let your mind fill in the blanks. and like Choose hey, your own adventure. Maybe the next video is just like a totally, maybe it's the same director. And mm-hmm. But here's the here's the cool thing about all this is that we're actually talking about um, Selena Gomez in a really interesting, positive way. It's all about the music, all about the video. Um, we're not talking about like gossip or like trials and tribulations, uh, which no. I never do anyways. But I'm just like. She must be thrilled that this is working so well. That song is amazing. It's great, and that video Samples is a work of art. Heads. Yeah, and the video is great. And when I when we when I watched the video for the first time, I was like, when you when you watch the video, if you haven't seen the video, go find it. And in the first like ten seconds, I'm like, is this like archival footage? <laughs> is this like stock footage of her from like that's Wizards how good of Waverly Place? F- yeah, that's how like young she looks. Yeah, with her no makeup look in the beginning. And yeah. when the Farrah Fawcett girl showed up, I didn't realize it was Selena. Really? Like at first, I was like, "Huh?" Because she, because she, you know, who she kind of looked like. She kind of looked like uh, the on that '70s show. I remember. Oh, the sister, Eric's, Eric's sister. sister. I was like, she looks like Eric's. Uh, Wait, that can't be right. R.I.P. By the way. Yes. Well. Yes. And now I'm like, wait, she kind of looks like Selena. Wait, this is getting confusing. <laughs> is she what? Uh, so anyway, yeah. Well, so it's such a talked about video. Has it had any impact on uh, the charts? Uh, yeah, actually, yes. Um, the song moves from number 45 to a new high of number 23 this week on the Hot 100. It had already been in the top 40, uh, but now it returns to the top 
40 thanks to the excitement of the video. I hope it keeps climbing. Um, well, now it is time. The time has come <laughs> for you to lip sync through this interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, the time has come for our interview with RuPaul. The one and only queen of all drag queens and entertainment mogul called in to talk about the season nine finale of his show, RuPaul's Drag Race, which airs this Friday, June 23rd on VH1. The Emmy award-winning host talks about how the series is a labor of love and how a big challenge each year on the show actually is managing their rabid and sometimes vicious fans on social media. Uh, And why in the world RuPaul has boxes of unopened QVC packages at home? We weren't just talking about QVC for the heck of it. It actually makes sense in the context. They didn't sponsor this episode. Yes. This was not sponsored by QVC. It actually makes sense when you listen to our chat. So anyway, here is our interview with the fabulous RuPaul. Well, welcome back to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. RuPaul, how are you? I'm doing great. It's great to be back. Um, You are now officially a friend of the podcast. We talked to you a year ago, and we played a fun game about girl groups, and now you are back as we approach the finale episode of Season 9 of RuPaul's Drag Race, which is airing this Friday on June 23rd on VH1. Um, I, I want to ask, as we go into the finale, um, I'm, I'm curious, what was the biggest challenge for you and the producers this season? Looking back on season nine, was, was there one challenge or, or one thing that was really kind of the thing that you guys overcame this season? Well, you know, first of all, the finale has a different format. I don't know if I should tell you, but, um, I mean, give anything away, but it, mm. um, it's different it's more streamlined this this time around because uh, last week we had a reunion where we got the the real dirt, the real tea from the queens without an audience present. So they were able to sort of rehash and, and sort of uh, uh, come to terms with what happened over the season with one another. So the finale, the crowning, is really all about the final four, and they all get to perform and we spend most of the time with them. The biggest challenge this season, um, it's, it's always, honestly, it's always managing the fans because we do the show out of love. We do the show because we celebrate drag. We love drag. But then, you know, a lot of young people who don't, <laughs> who don't really know about, um, you know, being, respectful of certain things, you know, um, they can become very mean. They can be mean toward the other girls. And I'm talking about really, you know, this season, uh, Valentina was very, very popular. But when she was eliminated from the competition, um, her fans became really vicious. And it's like, no, 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 hon, we are doing this out of love and we love all the other girls. You know, it's no need to get nasty. So that's, that was the, really the biggest challenge. Now, were the, now you're saying that the fans got nasty with, with the show and, and you or with Valentina? They got nasty with the other girls. They, they said, well, she got sent home. You know, the truth is you should have been sent home, you know, to some of the other girls who, mm. who, were, who remained in the competition. 
Um, but, you know, that's, that's a thing with social media is that a lot of young people, I'm talking 11, 12, 13, they want to be part of the discussion. So they'll pick up the vernacular and they'll say, oh, girl, oh, oh, bitch. And, you know, a lot of the vernacular that it took many years for gay people to earn the right and the, uh, you know, to say certain things. And, you know, with family, you can say a lot of things when you're with family because it's understood that it's coming from a place of love. But a lot of people will pick up, a lot of young people will pick up the vernacular and use it out of place. And it comes off as very crass because you don't have a background with those people. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It comes off. It comes off. Uh, uh, I think how you put it, uh, uh, bitchy instead of sassy, or yes. <laughs> mean spirited instead of you know shady and reedy. You know, it, there's you don't know how to use that terminology yet, and you're coming across in a way where you know you just don't know. And, exactly. Uh, it's all about we're we're teaching the children. Hopefully, the folks will learn as they get older. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, and, and also, also the show—it's—it's it's a fun celebration. It's—it's it's a competition, and a lot of young people don't understand how a competition works because they come from the background of everybody gets a trophy or everybody gets, uh, you know, uh, and 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 they then they when I bring that up, they bring up the fact that well, all the girls do get a trophy. It's like no, the real trophy here is a hundred thousand dollars doll. It's not mm-hmm. the, the RuPaul statuette. But, um, oh, oh, please. I mean, that's lovely, too. But, you know, I mean, good Lord. I mean, I, I mean, let's, yeah. Anyway, well, um, you know, there's a familiarity on the show and in its format. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a viewer. I mean, with the show, there's a familiarity in it um, every season. How do you guys keep it fresh for you and, and keep it interesting and exciting for, for you as you're looking? to produce the show each year? Well, the show is really kept fresh by the the cast. When they enter the room, it turns into its own animal. You know, we produce the heck out of it, and we plan and plan and plan, but it's not until the, the girls get there that the show actually takes off and becomes its own animal. So that's, 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 that's where it remains fresh. You know, and... and Speaking of those uh, contestants, you know, they have to participate in challenges uh, throughout, you know, the season and through each episode, mini challenges and maxi challenges. Um, and and a lot of those challenges are familiar to, you know, people that watch the show, uh, you know, and, and they're all kind of loosely based on things that, that you as a, uh, you know, supermodel of the world and professional drag queen have done or have had to do to kind of make, make it work. You know, everything from you know, doing comedy or acting, impersonating someone, you know, on the Snatch Game, and, and sewing. You know, there's always a sewing challenge. Um, I'm curious, when did you learn how to sew, Rue? Uh, my mother was a seamstress, and her mother before her was a seamstress. So my mother taught me how to sew when I was a kid. I, or just even watching her do it, I pretty much learned how to do it. It's not not rocket science. Um, obviously, to design an outfit takes a bit more talent, but to put two pieces of fabric together really isn't as as big a challenge as, as the girls 
make it out to be. Because <laughs> when you see them on the show struggling, I'm like, wow, God, get, find the hot glue gun. Make it work. Come on, yeah, people. And I'm, and I'm sorry. After nine seasons of the show, you, you, you understand, if you can make a silhouette that looks good on you, even if it's just a tube dress that you get to uh, accessorize and make, then, you know, uh, do that, you know, or even come with one pattern and just switch it around. There's really no excuse. You could, honestly, you could learn how to sew in three days, if, le- if not less. you you got to make it work. I mean, after, you know, if you're coming into this show, you, you need to know all those things. You have to impersonate someone. you got to make it funny. you got to, you know, and if you can't do it at A level – you know, make it passable and make it work and slide through the challenge and get to the next episode. Well, you're um, absolutely right. You're, and and that's, that's what this is all about. It's really about challenging, challenging yourself and going beyond your limited perception of who you are, your own limited perception. And that's really a, what life is about. It's not just, you know, you know this applies to everyone, if you, not just drag. It's about expanding it and remembering who you are and, and pushing yourself beyond your own self-imposed limitations. Yeah. Um, you know, earlier this season, uh, in the first episode, you had a, a amazing guest judge. Uh, and this, the show always features guest judges, you know, throughout all the seasons, you know, it, it, zillions and zillions of guest judges, a cavalcade of guest judges. Yes. But in the, in the first episode this year, you had Lady Gaga, which got a lot of attention. And you've already talked a lot about it. I don't want to ask about, about Lady Gaga specifically, but I want to ask – about the other judges that happen to appear on the show, you know, everyone from Tatra Call and the B-52s to Kesha and Megan Trainer, so many musicians, in fact. Was there, you know, another guest that appeared on the show that was particularly memorable for, for you personally? Well, you know, I love QVC and I love all things television shopping. So we had the queen of QVC. She's no longer there, but for, for during her 20-year tenure at QVC, she ruled the school, and that's Lisa Robertson. And that was a huge thrill for me because I, I've watched her sell things and – it's amazing how she's been able to make me, sitting at home, want to buy whatever she's selling. And she's so gracious and so beautiful. And, and that was a real uh, thrill for me to have her on the show. That was really excellent. Now, how, how much stuff do you actually own that you purchased from QVC? You know, it's, honestly, not that much. It's only when someone like her has, has done such a great job that I think, I've got to pick up the phone. I've got to <laughs> order that, you know, because I, I have so much stuff anyway. I desperately and, uh, need this decorative planter right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, trust me, I have things I've bought from her that I've never even opened the box. I just, I had to have it. Like, I have these Christmas ornament lights that are, were so beautiful. Uh, that I bought when she was on, uh, and uh, brilliant. Did you tell her any of this? Like, I bought yes. things, I haven't opened them up. <laughs> yes, actually, yeah, we've, we, we've actually become friends. We actually met oh, good. at a party um, uh, last year, and uh, that's how I convinced her to come on the show. But I've always been a fan of hers, and uh, she's, she's, she's a lovely, lovely woman. Well, I know you have to go. I don't want to keep you on the phone forever. But, you know, as people, you know, watch the finale and and they look forward to, I'm assuming, there will be another season of Drag Race, you know, next year. You know, is, is there a message that, that you want to send to the fans just about the show and, and you know, you know and the B-52 
people who love drag so much, you know, because it's become so much more than a TV show and so much more than just something that you would see in a club in, you know, West Hollywood. This is this has become like a phenomenon. Do you have a, a message to the fans that watch the show and love the show? Well, the fans should know, especially the young ones, that we we do this as the labor of love. Uh, you know, we are celebrating the art of drag, which is is to be celebrated, because it it means such much more than just you know putting on sparkly clothes and wigs and dancing around. It really does exemplify what we as humans are really doing on this planet, which is experiencing life and using all the colors and crayons and, and, and shape-shifting, which is an important part of our experience that a lot of people forget, that you can morph into many different forms and shapes and ideas in the course of one lifetime. And I think we are doing service to not just uh, you know the drag community, but for everyone watching, to to remind themselves that you can you can be the architect of your life and it's not not just changing your costume but also understanding your own limitations and pushing yourself and breaking down those walls that a lot of times we've put up ourselves not just society but we've um we've upheld these walls that really don't need to be there so i'm i'm proud of that with with our show and uh uh, and hopefully we'll get to do a lot more of that uh, throughout the years. Well, Rue, this has been amazing. I just called you Rue even though I have no right to call you Rue. No, you can friends. call me. You can call oh. me Rue. You can call me anything. Just, you know, call me, as you've said. Um, thank you so much for this, and uh, I look forward to seeing the finale this week. I can't wait. Thank you, darling. Thank you again, Rue, and I'm allowed to call him that now. <laughs> uh, Rue gave me the blessing. Um, and, of course, make sure to tune in to RuPaul's Drag Race this Friday to find out who takes home the crown of America's next drag superstar. And now it's time, Katie, mm -hmm. for the chart stat of the week. <laughs> Five years ago this week, Carly Rae Jepsen dialed up a number one on the Billboard Hot 100 with uh, Call Me Maybe. Oh, man. The inescapable track sailed to number one on the list dated June 23rd, 2012, and spent nine weeks at number one. The track was Jepsen's first hit on the Hot 100, and she's scored five more entries since, most recently in 2015 with I Really Like You. Call Me Maybe finished 2012 as the second biggest-selling digital song of the year, with 6.47 million downloads sold, and it's currently the number eight biggest-selling digital song of all time, with 7.74 million. Call Me Maybe would garner a pair of Grammy Award nominations, uh, including, well, not including, it was Song of the Year and Best Pop Solo Performance, though strangely she didn't win either of them, and I still thought it was weird she wasn't nominated for Record of the Year. That's fair. It was. A, it was a. It was. That's fair. Yeah. Hmm. No, it's fair that you. Oh, that, that I. You're outraged I by you were that. Saying, it's fair she wasn't nominated. No. <laughs> I was like, I don't think she's so. just okay. <laughs> I was like, I think she probably should have been nominated for no, Record of the Year. No, that song was huge. Well, anyway, there you have it. This week, back in 2012, Carly Rae Jepsen hit number one with "Call Me Maybe." I believe. We have reached 
the end of our show. That's all, huh? That's all. Huh. How much more do you want? I mean, that's that was chock full of chart fun. By the time people hear this, uh, Beyonce could have announced her her pregnancy again. <laughs> Maybe. She, uh, for all we know, she had the kids like a Sorry, month ago. Sorry, she can't play next year's Coachella either. <laughs> she, <laughs> uh, uh, yes, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> hmm, but what, sh- but what song should we go out on? Oh, man. Hmm. No, do you have any suggestions, Keith? A Beyonce track? Sure. Uh, uh, How about Baby Boy? <laughs> sure, why not? Is that too literal? Sorry, sorry for the girl, baby. <laughs> well, you know. Anyway, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Baby boys, they on my mind. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.